Us. Did you miss a show? Listen to podcasts from all your favorite ESPN Las Vegas shows at LVSportsNetwork.com. KWWN Las Vegas and KLAV Las Vegas. This the remix. No, I, I, to be honest with you, the best part for me was when, when we got on the grass, I just felt like we were getting ready to play a game. You know, I still kept the same responsibilities for the most part in the kicking game, and then I just had a chance to communicate with uh, Gus and Ole, and um, their demeanor during the game was outstanding. It was easy for me to communicate with both, so the, really the, the, the button in the beginning and where the cord was, that was drove me a little bit crazy until I got it figured out, but that was really it. Bishy, Bishy! Uh, Jonathan Hankins at this particular point is doubtful. He's had a little bit of a hip nagging with him, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens as we go through the next few days. Um, did not practice. Quinn Jefferson, uh, right now is questionable. It's been a little bit limited over the last two days. A little bit of a tight back. We'll see how that works out. And then uh, Josh was a little bit limited, but did practice a good portion of the uh, of the practice today. And that's where we're at. Yeah, I was just weird. I just thought it was just challenge it, see what happens. So. Just crush my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Jared, I have a producing question for you. Yeah. Do you play the cricket sound on audio that you think is boring? No, I do it in for audio that I think is awkward. Oh, okay. All right. Like, I just didn't know if you were playing audio and then be like, oh, that was boring. And then you played the cricket sound. No, I play the cricket sound of more like everyone in the room is silent and staring gotcha. and like, this is uncomfortable. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, the Raiders. John Gruden's emails. Resignation. We're not, not going to talk about a uh, couple of weeks. Rich Pisaccia basically being like, I couldn't figure out the cord. It took okay, me a while. All right. Before we get to John Gruden. It's the best. It is funny that he doesn't know how to work the headset no. or that he didn't know how to work the headset. I assume he figured it out. There's not too many buttons on there. I assume he figured it out by the fourth quarter. Well, it was great that he had a burp button. <laughs> he said that after the game. He goes, I had to push one to talk. I had to push one to burp. I'm like, how many buttons are on these web are in these headsets? I thought how there would just be one on burping? Right. Well, that's the other thing. I we thought there'd be one button. Okay. He calls it a burp button, which is, okay. as Jared said, how often is this guy burping? Does he burp more than he coughs? Well, maybe. And even if you have a cough button, why don't you just have one button to turn off whatever sound you make and then turn it back on to talk? Like, I don't know why. Put it this way. I don't know why there's more than one button. You either <laughs> want to talk or you don't want to talk, right? What What other button could there be? You're talking to upstairs. You're listening to what Olsen's saying. And then if you want to talk, you push the button and say, hey, I don't agree with that, or I agree with that. I don't know what the – there's so many buttons on this thing. Listen, somebody saw a walkie-talkie and said, that's too simple. We need more buttons <laughs> on that. We need more buttons on the NFL uh, yeah. sideline. I guess special teams coach – well, I should have known this. A special teams coach don't use uh, don't use headsets, obviously. It's, he's been the special teams coach, so I guess he what? doesn't use headsets. Where's the kicker? <laughs> exactly. Hey, they hey, almost lost that. The Maybe he time. did. That's a great point. Maybe he did need a headset. They lost that Carlson kid for a while. Has anybody <laughs> asked Pisacci about that? Like, how'd you lose Carlson that one time? Maybe we should ask him this week. Uh, the, talk uh, again this week. The other good one was the, eh, I just sort of challenged it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Just throw the flag out there. I wonder if he, I've never done it before. I thought it'd be fun. I wonder if he'd laugh at that question. He's been good with the media, but it does seem like... Which question? About losing Carlson? Yeah, it does seem like he's a pretty straightforward guy. Maybe he thinks I need to be this way. Like, I don't need to, you know, waver off here. I'm just going to answer their questions and get out of here, uh, which is fine and no problem with it. But I wonder if he'd, like, laugh or if he would, like, or if he'd even remember that it happened. I mean, a lot's gone on with this guy in, his <laughs> probably, last, in the last two weeks. Probably like, wasn't that last year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the head coach now. Did we have fans in the stadium? I, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> now... 
With John Gruden's emails, one of the details that we have found out, Mike Florio had a story about this, was that the NFL had knew about, had read these John Gruden emails at the latest in July of 2021. At the latest, right? These They could have read them much earlier than that, but at the latest, July of 2021. And the question that has been asked is why did it take until October for anything to happen? I'm going to be anti-NFL here because I do think they leaked everything, so I'm going to put that out there right away. And if it's as petty as Goodell read these and what he said about Goodell and in the back of his mind saying, okay, well, we'll let you get in the season. We'll see what happens here. I'd hate to think that that's true, that the NFL is so petty in that instance that they would do that. But I don't put anything past the NFL and Goodell to wait on this. I really don't. I mean, I think that would be crazy. I do. I mean, I think that would be a little nuts. If you have them, just release them. Someone told me yesterday, well, I don't know if it was on the show or not um, with you guys, but someone also said yesterday, well, they had 650000 to read here. So they might have known there were some bad ones, but they said to themselves, look, we better read all these because what if there's another coach? What if there's another executive who went off and like crazy? So we need to know all of them before we bring them out. I don't know. So, okay. My biggest question here, who leaked the first email with John Gruden uh, saying About that DeMora Smith. Smith had lips the size of Michelin tires? I think someone within the NFL did. So, okay. Because I, here's what I, here's the thought process I could follow. The NFL wasn't planning on leaking them or releasing them or even, they didn't even give them to Mark Davis until the first one was out, right? I could, I could understand here. The NFL had no intention of making these public. They were just going to let it go. But then for whatever reason, that first one got leaked. And you don't now, think they were ever releasing them? Here's, here's where I'm going. They were never going to release any of these. They were just going to say, because the whole, the whole Washington football team sexual misconduct thing, they didn't have a written report. They were just right. like, yeah, it was a verbal report. It's great. We handled it. You can trust us, right? So they were never going to release anything. They were going to protect the shield, and everybody was inside the shield. But for whatever reason, the first one gets leaked. And when that first one gets leaked, now there's a lot of, okay, what the hell's going on here? And when that first one got leaked and John Gruden didn't get fired, that the NFL said, well, we got to get this guy out now. Because that first one got leaked. Meaning there are, we know there are other ones. They let him coach. Right. And we got to get this guy out now. And so the NFL then gave it to the New York Times. Well, gave them to Mark Davis and said, basically said, hey, here's all this crap. Please fire this guy. And when he didn't, they said, hey, well, we're going to release it because now you're going to have to fire him because once everybody finds out today. All right. So, again, I'm having a, I don't know. I have a hard time figuring out the exact timeline and who leaked them. Like, we all know it was. Someone within the NFL. It'd have to be. But who? And that's sort of the big question here. Because, again, if they had them in July, if they read all these things in July and didn't release them then, then I have to imagine they're I, – like, I think it's more believable that the NFL was going to protect John Gruden and never release them than I than I believe they were going to wait for him to be 3-0 and and then go after him. I'm – I guess, you know, the pessimist in me says, I'm shocked that of 650,000, this these were the only controversial ones. So I just, I 650,000 emails and no one else said anything. Now, 
Maybe they didn't go as far as Gruden. Maybe they just kind of ripped a coach or ripped someone and said, ah, guys, you know, this and this. You just say, if you just say Goodell sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, join the I mean, (laughs) Right. His his secretary. Hello, Roger. You suck. (laughs) It's when you call him the gay slur that it becomes an issue. Okay. Here's what I keep going back to on why I can almost believe nobody else did what Gruden did in emails because it's emails. Like, I just, again, I have never had a casual conversation with a friend through email. I've never done it. Now, I'm, what, 30, 40 no, years younger than John Gruden, so there's a generational gap there. But I, like, I've like, i never had, like, group chats with my family or my friends where you talk crap about each other or whatever, No, that's all on text message or sometimes, like, direct messages on a social media platform. I've never done it through email, so I can, I can almost believe, hey, there's probably other crappy guys in the NFL, but they weren't sending emails to Bruce Allen yeah. about it, right? That's the part where I'm kind of like, okay, I can maybe believe it because who the hell is sending emails like that? I'm trying to remember, literally. Your grandparents. Well, I, yeah, I get, I get it. My grandparents forward, are old. Forward, They've forward, never forward, 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 I'm really trying to remember if I ever did. You know what I do, though? Like, it's an HR person, right? You'll go back and forth two or three if you're asking a question about HR, some of that, but not a conversation like, how was your weekend? Right. I mean, you know, I do that. I'll go back and forth with people like, do I need to be at this time? What do we need to do here? What do you need from me? But it's not like, and oh, by the way, tell me about your vacation. (laughs) What do you think about Roger? Exactly. (laughs) Do you have any interesting thoughts on race relations? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's crazy. That's that's the part that still is a big hang up in my mind. I'm just like, I can't. I just can't imagine there's a lot of people, A, in the NFL, but B, period, that are just having these casual conversations. And again, this was from 2011 to 2018. This was like a constant everyday thing. This is like like the only group chats I'm a part of that are that long are like with my parents and my siblings. And like, I don't email those are any, text messages. I don't email anything outside a job. Yeah, I don't either. Anymore. Like if it's one of my two jobs, right. like, oh, that's fine. But I'll never email like to get an update on right. anything. And like... Yeah, I don't send emails to anything except it's like work related or yes, yeah. Yes. And I, like I send Jared some clip to a hey, right, pull this audio. Right. And then I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and then and, we get crazy. Yeah. And then we And then I call him an idiot, not a gay slur. And yeah, <laughs> we're we're good. I just I just I think David Roth said it best that apparently what Bruce Allen did when he went in the office each morning was <laughs> all right, let's fire off yeah. some emails to the group of well, and he did this Some weird opinion I have. And no matter how old he was, he did this for seven years. And I think as recently as 2018. Right. Yes. That's you're telling me he did it in 2001, 2000 emails out. And that's how you communicated one thing. It's 2018. It's I know for ago. a fact I text him. He texts back. He texts. That's <laughs> that's that's a mode of co- a communication he has. Right. Yes. So I don't know why he would sit there and write these long emails in 2018. I don't know. I just it's so bizarre. It's genuinely uh, I, bizarre. I just, oh man, three years ago, <laughs> three years ago. Do you do you remember? Was it Tim Hardaway Senior that basically he said he would never accept a gay teammate, and he said it on like live radio? I don't, but I'm not saying it didn't happen. Okay, and then immediately, basically, he was like, "Oh wait, that was a problem." <laughs> This feels like that level, except I think that happened in the year 2000. He won't get this reference because he's not a Seinfeld guy, but you will. When Costanza slept with the cleaning lady, was that was that wrong? Should I not have done that? 
Is that a problem if I'm sleeping with a cleaning lady at work? It's Slept like with one the of those cleaning things. lady. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch the show. It's now on Netflix. It's now on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I won't be doing that. Won't be watching that. Yeah. So don't send the emails. I don't know. It's still it, that's still the bizarre thing to me is even nowadays though. Not that my kids email it a lot, but even nowadays you do remind you know people of their age like don't put things in writing. Yes. Like, you know, anything in writing, anything, anything in writing could be unearthed, and people can find that. I don't know why people to this day, whether it's arrogance, I don't know what it is, Tyler, that people will continue to do things in writing when they know anything can be found. Yeah. I don't get that. Send It, it, it was him sending emails with his friend. Like, it's... It's the group chat you have with your friends, and he thought right, that it was right. fine, but it was, e- I don't know, it's email. It's still weird to me that it's emails. Still weird to me. I don't know. Don't get it. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs and a look at how high our expectations should be for UNLV basketball. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Bischoff's briefs. We we take a lot of pride in being very analytical here. Um, we use a lot of statistical data, tendencies. Bischoff's briefs. Got a lot of respect for the percentages of blitz on second and one to six, third and five to ten. Bischoff's briefs. We take analytics as far as we can, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of human error that I continually make. Bischoff's briefs. I don't believe any of those statistics. I think it's all hotline. So quick update. Ben Simmons has been suspended for one game for conduct detrimental to the team. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted that Doc Rivers threw Ben Simmons out of practice today. <laughs> is, is it the phone? I don't know. Maybe he was texting during layup <laughs> yeah. lines. I mean, Yesterday he was practicing, and there was a video of him with his phone in his pocket while going through drills. And today he's been thrown out and suspended for a game. And yesterday, Doc Rivers literally said, "Well, we've tweaked the offense, but he'll pick it up." This guy really doesn't know how to use leverage and wanting to be traded. Oh yeah, he. Li- <laughs> it's like, can we trade him to? Does the Canadian Basketball League yeah. still exist? So. We'll see what happens. We'll talk to uh, John Von Tobel here in about 10 minutes uh, to get us ready for the NBA season. But I want to take some time for some UNLV basketball because we've got some preseason projections that are out. Ken Palm is out. Ken Palm has UNLV as the 130th best team in the country. Uh, Projected record of 16 and 14. Uh, that does not include one game. Uh, the Arizona-Wichita State matchup is not on there right. because you don't know. can't project it if you don't know what the matchup is. But 16-4 and four overall with one game missing. 9-9 uh, nine and nine in the Mountain West uh, is the Ken Palm projection. They are projected as the sixth best Mountain West team for this season behind San Diego State, Nevada, Colorado State, Boise State, and Utah State. They are one spot ahead of Fresno State for six. I think they're going to be better than sixth. You think the poll, so? The poll comes out tomorrow. I th- I do now. They might be picked sixth in the poll. I don't know. I don't know anything about the poll and who's going to pick them where. But uh, I think they're going to be top four. 
Top four. Yeah. Optimism. Optimism. A lot of optimism. From Ed Graney. So about UNLV, too. (laughs) So the interesting part is that eh, preseason projections and standings here. Ken Palm's actually one of the more optimistic ones about UNLV because Matt Norlander sat down and ranked all college basketball teams. He pegged UNLV as the 168th best team in college basketball behind Fresno State. So the seventh best team Mm. in the Mountain West. And then Haslam metrics, which is just another sort of analytical type rankings, has UNLV as 198th. Man, it just gets worse. Yes. So Ken Palm actually a little optimistic about UNLV having them at 130 and sixth best in the Mountain West. So you think they'll get to fourth. Here's what's interesting. And Matt Norlander actually wrote this. Kevin Kruger's team is the most mystifying to me in all the Mountain West. But I do think it's going to be an entertaining group that bobs and weaves its way to a 500 record. Mystifying is a good way to put it because I think it's fair to say we do not know how good this UNLV team is going to be. I think it's, listen, they brought in a whole bunch of transfers. There's only three guys returning. Reese Brown, Bryce Hamilton, and Marvin Coleman. Those are the three returners from last year. Everybody else is a transfer or the one freshman in Kashawn Gilbert. This team could be a Mountain West contender. I don't think that's out of the question. If everything goes right, Michael Nuga comes in and he's an awesome scorer. He's the guy from Kent State who was a good scorer at Kent State. Michael Nuga comes in and is their best player. If they get good point guard play out of Jordan McCabe or Marvin Coleman, or hell, it might even be Kashawn Gilbert, right? If they get good forward play, if Donovan Williams can knock down threes, that guy can hit his head on the rim when he dunks. If everything goes right, this team can contend for the Mountain West. Now, I agree. Not everything's going to go right. right, right? That doesn't happen pretty much for any team any year. Not everything goes right. Some things are going to go wrong. If everything goes wrong, this team is absolutely the seventh best team in the conference. If all these transfers don't work out, if, oh, Donovan Williams and all these guys from the Big 12 weren't playing very much because they just weren't very good, then this team can finish seventh in the Mountain West and be a bad Mountain West team. To me, it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle, and it's probably going to be maybe fourth, maybe fifth in the Mountain West if if things sort of half of it goes right, half of it goes wrong. But it's very hard to figure out because if you ask me right now, who's the starting lineup? Who were the top scorers on this team? Bryce Hamilton. You can take a guess. <laughs> like Hamilton's probably going to be the leading scorer after that. I guess Michael Nuga. And then who's the third best player on this team? I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you who it's going to be. I don't know what Kevin Kruger is going to do with the starting lineup. So I do think it's fair to kind of throw out there. Hey, this is a massive unknown of all the teams in the mountain West. This is probably the biggest unknown for better or for worse this year in college basketball. But at the end of the day, I think even if you're right and they finish fourth in the mountain West, or if they finish sixth or seventh, this is not an NCAA tournament team. No, I don't think you could say that right now. I don't think you say that at all. I want to ask you about one guy because I think this guy could really help them or not be as good as everyone think he's going to be. I don't know which way it's going. So I'm not going to say, but Jordan McCabe, I do not think he will be UNLV's best point guard. Okay. I think we get to the end of the year and Jordan McCabe is not their best point. Okay. Guard. Um, I don't, there's, there's just not much that he's, that he did at West Virginia to make you think that guy's going to be a legitimate, right. like good point guard in the mountain West. Now, if Bryce Hamilton and Michael Nuga and Donovan Williams are all awesome. And those are your top three scorers. Then you might not really need much from your point guard spot, but I think we're going to get to the end of the year and 
McCabe, Marvin Coleman, and I think even Kashawn Gilbert, the freshman, I think it's going to sort of be a muddled mess as to who the best point guard is on this team. I don't think Jordan McCabe's going to be a massive, oh, that guy's the reason they're winning the Mountain West or they're competing in the Mountain West. I don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. He, to me, is the most interesting because he kind of came with some flair and uh, came from West Virginia. Um, I just, for some reason, I, I don't know why. Like I said, he could be great for all I know, but I think that he's an interesting kid in terms of how good he really is and how good he is at the end of the year. Yeah. And he might be, he might might be, be one of the more important players, yeah. right? He might be a guy that's significant to the end, but I, I'm i not counting on Jordan McKay being a significant difference maker for UNLV. I think is he and Marvin Coleman are kind of in the same tier of players, and that's a perfectly fine, competent Mountain West point guard, but nothing really special. It's going to come down to other guys on this team. <laughs> To make it happen. I'm surprised. I've got to be honest with you. I'm surprised uh, Reno wasn't number one in Ken Palm. Maybe I'm, uh, again, I'm not going to say I know every roster. I know the top three or four rosters. Um, and I was a little surprised Reno. I, I would have gone someone of the one, two, Colorado State, Reno, and then San Diego State. So, yeah. So, Ken Palm had San Diego State number one in the Mountain West, 33rd overall. Nevada, two, 49th overall. Colorado State, third, 72nd. All right. Overall, um, if you gave me props there, I think Colorado State would be pretty live team to get to get so much higher than that. What's I get what, what's working? I guess we'd say against Colorado State is that they're basically return everybody from last year, right? That's right. why everybody likes Colorado State. Might so have much. the best player in Roddy. They were seventy sixth in Ken Palm last year, right? They didn't make the NCAA tournament, so it, you were the seventy sixth best team last year. Oh, everybody's back. Okay, now you're the seventy second best team in college basketball. Like, so. Then explain to people out there when it comes to Ken Palm in terms of – we know when the games start, it's much, much easier to start ranking teams and seeing where they're at, just like it was with RPI and the net and all that. They've got to start getting some kind of evidence. What does he do for preseason rankings? Is he literally just looking at the roster? Because San Diego State lost some key guys. Well, it's all it's all algorithms. Yeah. It's all – Ken Palm's not sitting down and ranking them like, so he's by just, hand. It's just algorithms, and it's based on the players, right, the player stats or whatever. So – if you the way and the way he does it is he doesn't take into account freshmen unless they are I think it's the top fifty kids every year or something like that because if you bring in a three star there's yeah, well, so you have much no idea who, you there's have no so idea. much variance yeah, no most of them don't be. even right. matter but right. a few of them do so like if you had a great freshman class you're probably going to be ranked lower than you deserve but if you bring in transfers which is what a lot of teams well, do Kevin did right then that they, there's some basis onto which to gauge these guys and that's where it comes from so. Yeah, Colorado State's a good example of a team that's they've got everybody back for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be a lot of the they same good. teams last year, but they were 76th in Ken Palm yeah. last year. Okay, they're going to be about the same this year. Everybody's back now. That doesn't take into account. Oh, these guys might get a lot better. Which well, you can't gauge improvement because right. who knows? So that's where the Colorado State one comes in. San Diego State, Nevada. I think it's just a matter of the players they brought in. Ken Palm probably likes San Diego State's a little bit more. I mean, they're not significantly ahead of Nevada by any means, not at all, but. Enough. So to give you an example, the exact uh, predictions for win losses here, San Diego State, Nevada at San Diego, San Diego State's favored by five, San Diego State, Nevada in Reno, Nevada's favored by two. Okay. So close, close to a toss up between those two, not a significant who, difference. How many, who, uh, Mountain West records, what do they have for the top few teams? Yeah, let's see here. San Diego State winning the conference at 14 and four. Nevada thirteen and five, Colorado State twelve and six. Okay, so they're all 
Yeah. They're all extremely bunched up. And then Boise State and UNLV both at 11 and 7. UNLV at 9 and 9. So that's where they sit. Coming up next, John Von Tobel gets us ready for the NBA season. We're grown men here. This is not middle school, 7th grade, 8th grade. Oh, you did this to me. You did this. No, it's all right. As soon as we step on that floor, it's just basketball. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is Jonathan Von Tobel. You've heard him on Cofield and Company. He's over on VSEN on the edge from 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. Also has his uh, NBA guide that you can subscribe to. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm actually uh, right now writing out meticulously what the Chargers have done against play action defensively. So while the NBA season is here, uh, it does not stop with the other sports, you know? The NFL. Nobody cares about that. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Basketball's starting. Um, all right. Actually, we need to start with Ben Simmons because he's been suspended for one game, got thrown out of practice uh, today by Doc Rivers. Uh, yesterday, there was a video of him practicing with his cell phone in his pocket. What do you think Ben Simmons' objective is right now? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, like you know, you, you benefit from showing up and practicing, right? Like, it's just financially you just benefit from that. Just show up, practice, and if you want to, like, go, like, oh, hey, my back hurts, like, the day before the game starts, whatever it is, like, maybe <laughs> maybe that's going to happen. But showing up and, by all accounts, being a petulant child and, and like, practicing with a cell phone in the pocket, having the sour puss on the face uh, to the point where you're not engaging and Doc Rivers has to throw you out of practice, which was the report today. It just does you no good. It also tanks your trade value. It makes it harder for the team that wants to get rid of you to get rid of you. So, like, they're not going to do that. They're in the position right now where they have the leverage. Like, yes, they're wasting a roster spot. and Yes, they're not going to get anything out of them. But at the same time, like, they're the one that's going to sit back and be like, no, man, like, we're not going to trade you. Like, ship up, tighten it up, and maybe you can increase your value. You can go from there. So, I don't know what really the goal is. And now they can suspend him with cause going forward if he's going to continue to do this, which means he loses even more money. So I, I really don't understand what the objective is in any way, shape, or form. I uh, told my friends here a little while ago that I have a 23-year-old at home who's a Laker fanatic and out of his mind about him. Last night he sat there he said, I hate Russ Westbrook. He'll never fit. So tell him why <laughs> Russell Westbrook will fit and how do they fit with him? So I think they fit if AD does what we saw him do in the preseason when they finally played together right in that last game against Golden State or the second last game against Golden State, which was play the five. And by all accounts, you know, Anthony Davis is going to play and start many games, if not the majority, you know, all of them at center. And if that's going to be the case, Ed, then I think that's, that's the case you build around Russell Westbrook work because then all of a sudden the, the floor spaces out a little bit better, right? There's not a traditional center within four feet of the basket. It's just clogging up the lane. AD is going to play a little bit more along the perimeter. A slasher, a cutter, a violent finisher like Russell Westbrook then gets the open space to work. But there's still going to be little problems, right? You know, when you watched them in the preseason together, there was a great couple of plays where Anthony Davis and LeBron James run a pick and roll together, and LeBron kicks it out to a wide open shooter on right wing. Problem is, that's Russell Westbrook, <laughs> that wide open shooter, and he takes that shot and it bricks. So, you know, he's got to be more dynamic off the ball. He's got to be willing to cut a little bit more, be more of that active presence when he's not having the ball in his hands. But I think there's plenty of, like, there's a space in which this works. It's just got to be 80 at the five shooters around them and then of course you go from there but it's, it's not going to be a nightmare but if they put a true center out there i'll tell you this i i don't know how that works like those lineups are going to be i think pretty clunky are you at all worried about the lakers age you know i like age is part of it tyler but i also think like they for one of the for a team that under vogel since he's been there 
has really like built their franchise on defense, right? It's defense first, been attack the glass, it's been this gritty, like do all those little things correctly. They sacrificed a lot to put the personnel around those three to make it work, right? Like Ellington, Malik, Kendrick Nunn, those are not good defenders. And so now this team that suffers great to the floor, Russell Westbrook, not even a great defender statistically. So I think age is part of it, and you're starting to see it a little bit, right? Like Wayne Ellington already banged up Trevor Ariza, having to go undergo uh, ankle surgeries and miss the first two months. But I think more than anything, it's just sacrificing what made this team so good over the last two seasons that now you're going to have to actually operate at a high-level offensive teams. You're going to have to overcome a really poor defense. And I think that's what worries me the most outside of the age thing. Uh, answer this. The Bucks will repeat because of this, and the Bucks will not repeat because of this. So I think the Bucks repeat because they, they have finally bought in and they've done it, right? But it's not just because they – you know, we talk about AD playing the five. Mike Budenholzer actually bought into Giannis as a small ball center, especially in that series against the Phoenix Suns. And so I think tactfully said, hey – you know, we have this weapon. We don't really use it a ton. Let's start to use it, and it really worked in the postseason, and it really worked against the Phoenix Suns. And last year you saw them statistically switch much more than they have in years past. So I think they really discovered things schematically that really makes it different for this team this year. Uh, if they're not going to win it, it's that they ran into the Brooklyn Nets. Like the, the Nets are so good, even without Kyrie Irving. And if they're completely healthy by the time we get to a potential Eastern Conference Finals, I think that's really what stymies them. Because I honestly think like DraftKings has them at nine to one to win the title right now. I, they're a legitimate threat to win the title. So, and I think the only thing that really gets in their way is a fully healthy and operational Brooklyn Nets team. Uh, would you pay DeAndre Ayton if you were the Suns? I w- I think they're. I wouldn't pay them the max money. Right, like I think they're kind of doing the right thing here. Like of the two, right? It's Mikhail Bridges, and it was him. They gave Bridges the max because he's a three and D player who's going to be able to score and do all these things. And like he's he's legitimately what you need in today's NBA. I think we forget, right? We get blinded by what we saw last. We forget of you know a suspension for DeAndre Ayton, the fact that at the beginning of the season, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Monty Williams really had to ride him a little bit at the beginning of the year to get him to buy into his role. So while he had a great flash. They were also going into last season about what the Aiden actually. I think it's really worth playing a max contract guy like that. He's skilled and he's really good and he's solid defensively. But I think the Suns are kind of right in Sinak and going like, man, like just not the max, bro. Like I just, it's not really worth that much to us. Well, when we were before you came on, we we're kind of guessing. Okay, who's the best team? Second best team? If it, if it's the Lakers, who's the second best team in the West? We said, well, how good will Clay actually be if he comes back? We're going through teams. Um, I said Denver is is Michael Porter Jr. the next breakout guy? I, he's got the person. He's got the chance to do it right, and he's got the skill set. He's a really good shooter. He can run up and down the floor. Obviously, we have athletic above the rim. I think he still really struggles defensively, which irritates Michael Malone quite a bit. And I think you still see that pull between the two. But with the fact that Jamal Murray is not going to be there, he is going to have the possessions and he's going to have the shot attempts to break out. I think the problem with Denver is. Like, I don't really like their bench. Their primary backcourt bench is Facundo Campazzo and Austin Rivers. They're really poor like backcourt. Like, Facundo Campazzo is not any sort of plus offensively. And Austin Rivers is so hot and cold on offense and is a really poor defender. And they're, they're not as deep as they were in years past. And I think until Jamal Murray comes back, that really turns me off. But I think it also speaks to, like, the team in the Western Conferences. Like, throw them in a hat and pull one out, man. Like, there's... There's so much variance between, like, there's not that much variance, right, between teams. I even put the Lakers in there, like one through eight or one through seven in the Western Conference. You know, I was talking the other day on our show on Decent, 
I don't think it would surprise you if the Mavericks were the two seed in the Western Conference. I don't think it would surprise you if the Clippers finished within the top four or top three, even without Kawhi Leonard. There's just a whole bunch of teams that are right around one another. All right, the uh, Atlanta Hawks were a surprising playoff team last year. Give me a team in the East if it's not one of the top two that can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Eastern Conference, huh? Well, the the problem is the East is so top-heavy that even if we're talking about like a surprise team, they might just make it to the second round. And I know that a lot of people really like the Chicago Bulls, but I'm a little hesitant given how bad they're going to be off uh, defensively. So so I'll say this. I think a surprise team is one that was disappointing last year, but a lot of people think uh, very highly of as a franchise. I kind of like what the Boston Celtics are putting together. You know, Marcus Smart playing point guard, I think, is a sneaky good move. He has shown the ability to pass. He's a really good on-ball defender, so he gets to take primary point guards out of the picture. Jason Tatum is an extremely, like, solid dark horse candidate to win MVP this year, given his offensive game. Jalen Brown's an extremely good player. Time Lord Robert Williams is a developmental big guy who's really shown, like, progressive steps forward over the last few seasons in terms of his game statistically. You know, I think if you're talking about maybe a surprise that you're looking at it and saying, I didn't expect this team to finish within the top three and kind of be a pain in the ass. I think it would probably be the Boston Celtics. Crazy uh, question, maybe because uh, what they can make at their teams. Who's traded first, Dame Lillard or Bradley Beal? I don't think I – well, it's not going to be this year, so if we're going, like, big picture-wise, I I think it would probably be Damian Lillard. I mean, Bradley Beal's got some weird obsession with staying in Washington. I haven't really understood (laughs) why. Like, he could be used so many other places, and he he would easily shipped off, you know, a team – that's stuck in purgatory right around that play-in spot that's always going to be there. You know, they, they would willingly ship him off and, and get a really big return. But Damian Lillard, he's not, not at the tail end of the career, but he's been there in Portland for a really long time. Three, what, four of the last five years, they've been kicked out of the postseason in the first round. They have been a widely overvalued team almost every single season, and they just can't figure it out. Like, again, this year, like, they're going to be one of the teams in the league. Last year, they were 29th in defensive efficiency and non-garbage time minutes. If Nurkic is healthy all season long, okay, they're going to be like 21st. They're still going to be pretty poor on that end, and they're the exact same team that they've been rolling out over the last few seasons. So I think this might be the, like the last year. He seemed to be resistant to the hiring of Chauncey Phillips, and if this blows up again in like a first-round exit or not even making the postseason, I think Damian Lillard is probably the best candidate for that one. So how are the Chargers against play action? Uh, you know, going through it right now, uh, let's see, uh, last day Baltimore, actually, Lamar did pretty good, 10 of 13, 93 yards. The consistent thing is they give up a lot of yards per attempt, but not a lot in terms of uh, touchdowns. So that's something to look forward to. He is Jonathan Von Tobel. Follow him on Twitter, at MeJVT. Thanks, John. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care of yourself. Here's a tweet for you from Tim Bonops of ESPN. Joel Embiid says he has not talked to Ben Simmons. Well, no, he's been suspended. Well, no, he, maybe he talked to him on the cell phone. I was going to say he was—he's been texting. <laughs> he's him. been texting him the entire practice, but it's been in his it, the cell phone's been in his sweatpants, so he hasn't seen the text. <laughs> Got it on silent. All right, here we go. We have two tickets to Las Vegas Seltzerland Saturday, October twenty-third at Angel Park Golf Club. Spend the afternoon tasting thirty-plus unique hard seltzers. Tickets start at $39 at eventbrite.com, but we've got a pair for you right now. 702-364-1100, 702-364-1100. A pair of tickets to Las Vegas Seltzerland for caller number four. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. You know, and, and to go right back to the base philosophy that we always, you know, we uphold here is that 
you know, we're going to be competing in every every turn with whoever would be available. And, and uh, so um, we're on it. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Todd. He won a pair of tickets to go out to Seltzerland uh, a little bit later. Oh, wait, it's this weekend. I forgot it's already October 19th. Jeez, Halloween's going to be here really soon, isn't it? <laughs> How much do you turn off the lights? Have we had this discussion before? Oh, absolutely no lights. Nobody's coming to my house. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Are you kidding me? I probably won't even be at my house on Halloween night. You leave on purpose? Uh, we usually go to my girlfriend's parents' house because they, they like to celebrate Halloween. So, so they're handing out candy to the kids. Yes. Do they ever they send are. you to the door with the bowl? No. 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 No chance. <laughs> Not seeing kids. Are you kidding me? <laughs> seeing kids. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy. <laughs> I assume that his costume will be just. A pair of sweatpants and a T-shirt, and he's like, "What? I'm going as someone with dignity." Yes. No, I'm going to be Ted Lasso. Oh, okay. Yeah. When are you going to start growing Wait, a mustache? You dress up? I haven't in a couple of years, but yeah, I'm going to be Ted Lasso this year. But you dress up to go to their house? Yeah. Party. Whatever we end up doing, yeah. Okay. There's more than you and your girlfriend there, then. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. a party. They celebrate. Yeah. Okay. All right. I look. Good for you. I'm just saying. I mean, you don't hand out candy. You say you're going to the house. I didn't know you dressed yeah. up. No, I don't think. I mean, last year, obviously, we didn't really do well. No, I don't think anyone really did last year. If you're dressing up last Which year, there's something wrong with you. Because, you know, if you're going to wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Halloween's on a Sunday, though, isn't it? I thought it was a Saturday this year. Is it a Saturday this year? I thought it was a Jared's Sunday. On it. Yeah, Sunday. It, it is yeah, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing anything. Those kids can. Those kids can get the hell out. Yeah. I'm. There's football. It's the Raiders' bye week, though. So it is the Raiders' yeah. bye week. Oh, I, I actually get to watch a football game. I'll enjoy. There yeah. you go. Raiders' bye week. Halloween. Oh well. What we don't have to worry about. Game five of the World Series. No, we will not. We will not worry <laughs> worried about that. We will not care about that. I will not watch that. I won't care who the Red Sox or the Braves are throwing that night. I just know Dave Roberts will be home shaking his head going, you know, I was right about throwing Urias there in the second game. Jared, who has a better chance to win their series right now? Astros down 2-1 in Boston for the next two, or Dodgers down 2-0 oh. with the next three in LA? Uh, Dodgers, yeah. for sure. Yeah, Really? Yeah. Because, chance. okay, well, how many times have we had in Boston? It's deep. It's true. It's off the wall. Yeah, going to LA for three, I think they have a better chance. Where your your guys your guys hit dingers, there's going to be a lot of bunk back in play. They're two three two, right? Yeah, Astro, if the Astros I, win tonight, they're tied at two and got two or three at home. Maybe. I I think the Dodgers. I don't know why. I don't look. I don't know if either of them is winning their series. So you're just saying which has the better chance? I mean, right, they're you both ready. You in ready? Trouble. You ready? Dodgers and Astros are both winning. Oh no! Here we go. Here we go. He also said that <laughs> he never, he never yeah. stops with this. Yeah. So, so, since when did he become Mister Positive? Like I don't he had know. UNLV beating Utah State. Oh, I mean, I'm wait till Thursday. I'm going to predict him to win again. I mean, I'm surprised he even said the Dodgers should even have to be in the playoffs the way he's been talking about them all year. They shouldn't. They should have gotten a bye. <laughs> we should. We should go. We really should go back to the old system of. All right. Who just who has the best record? You. You. World Series. I would have liked. By the way, a reseed in the second round to give the Dodgers home field. I oh, would have liked boy. that. A I would have liked that. Listen to you, one hundred seven, and you got to go on the road. Win what your division. Win your joke. division. Had the best team in the division. We had to come over, overcome. Also, to try to do that. Also, hot take for you. 
I think you want to be the away team in the two three two format. Really? Yeah, three straight at home. That's that's fun. If you steal one of the first two on the road, obviously the Dodgers didn't. Uh, you're at a massive advantage when you oh, get three yeah. straight at yeah. home. Because here the, yeah. the one thing about the two three two format, and not that it's baseball, so it's not like home teams win every game or anything. But you are in a situation as the away team where if you simply defend home field, you will take the lead in the series. Exactly. So if the Dodgers win the next three, they just have to win one of two. Of all American sports, this is the only format that allows for the lower-seeded team to have an advantage. To have an advantage of in terms right. of home games played. Okay, right. I'll accept that. So now, obviously, six and seven on the road. If you're down three two, that's really hard to do. Yes. You got to go win two on the road. Obviously, but you have a you have a good shot to be up three two going back home. Or going back on going the road. Going back on the say. road. I don't. The other thing I don't like, I don't like at all because I think it did hurt the Dodgers, and I don't like this at all. Uh, I don't like after the Giants series when you know you're starting in in the East the next in two days now. Stop with the champagne. You won the World Series. <laughs> He's why still are they all, doing why this? Why are they all getting again? drunk? Why are they all getting Calm drunk? All right. Down. I hate that. I hate that. Maybe we'll we'll have Jr. Starkus on, and we'll just literally go, Jr. What are <laughs> what are the effects of drinking champagne? Yes. After working out, and then flying back east, all hung over the next day. <sighs> Urias, oh. you got to pitch tomorrow. <laughs> Stop drinking. Because <laughs> everyone's drunk. <laughs> but you won the World Series right, last year. Why, the, why are you getting right. drunk after like oh, first on. round series? It's, it's nothing. Maybe if you're like the pod. As well, if you're the Padres, you're getting drunk if you're in first place, like in October, in, in August. Oh man, the shots are coming at the Padres. Huh? They're not even in the playoffs. <laughs> no, the shots not. are coming. Here's uh, what. Here's what I got. The Dodgers, like I told you last year, the Dodgers are the best team. They're better than the Braves. I don't care if they're down 2-0. Just like it didn't matter, they were down three-one last year. They're better than the Braves. They so can you come think back it goes and seven. win the series, and eh, maybe six. They can come back and win the series, no doubt about it. I'm less confident about the Astros because I'm not convinced they're the better team. You were before the series started. You killed them in the regular season. Yes, and the Astros starting pitchers didn't give up three grand slams in two games. That that did not happen. That has right. never happened. So, if listen, if you told me the Astros are going to get good starting pitching the rest of this series, they're going to win. But they played three games and no starters made it out of the third inning yet. So, <laughs> I don't know this. And Dusty's but, pitching guys in the eighth inning when he's down when he's down nine runs. That's too. That's too. Astros win today. They're all good. They're all good. I'll be much more optimistic tomorrow. Dodgers Astros are still getting it, Ed. Still getting it. We'll, Game, see. we'll be worried about it. Game we'll five of the World Series on yeah. Halloween. I won't be dressing up because well, I'll be watching that instead. Okay, if they do, I'm sure they'll be drinking champagne two days before the World Series starts. <laughs> K-Long told me a couple days ago. <laughs> you gotta get rid of this echo. <laughs> Is that sure? I'm drunk. He's always drunk.